0: Hello Popheads, welcome to issue 75 of the TomCast Popcast and I am Tom. This is also known as Popcast. We are part of the 3BZ network of podcasts and, uh, you know, we do that social media thing. So if you want, give us a follow. We are at the TomCast underscore Popcast on Twitter, at the TomCast underscore Popcast on Instagram. You can email the show at TomCastPopcast at gmail.com and if you'd like to officially join Pophead Nation, you can head over to Patreon.com. Forward slash, Tomcast Podcast, where you can join such exclusive members as the Aspen Hill Chody, the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, and the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. He's also the co-host of the Reunioneer, and he does uh, very fine work over there on that excellent podcast. Also, finally, I should say, uh, whatever platform it is that you enjoy listening to this fine audio commentary show on. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed and you've issued us a super cool five-star review. Those are uh, very, very helpful in helping spread the word about the show and and uh, making sure that people know that we're doing good stuff over here. So we would really appreciate it in advance. Thank you so very, very much. We are back today for another special uh, Star Trek Picard review. I'm doing it solo today, on, um, a little, a little unfortunately, because... Uh, my schedule is just a mess this weekend. It's been a little hectic, a little hairy over here, uh, spinning a lot of plates, and it's not much fun to spin those plates because I'm not very good at it. So they often crash to the ground, but it's okay. We're gonna make we're gonna make it through here today. Um, we're actually gonna kind of pick up some of the things that that Reagan and I discussed last week uh, on the show because with with this third episode now in the books, we've we've seen it. We know uh, how this first act of season one of Picard is going to end. And uh, we we it's, it's, we it's time to have some thoughts. It's uh it's time to to pick the nits, you know. And and we uh, Reg and I both sort of alluded to it that as much as we are enjoying the show overall, uh, there's definitely nits to pick. Uh, there are some story things that are a little wonky, some dialogue is a little clunky. Uh, but it's not distracting from the enjoyment of the show overall. So I'm going to get into those in just a second here. Did you guys uh, notice what I did with the uh, opening of the show? I changed the music up on us. That was interesting, right? Good move, bad move? Let me know. Uh, I keep trying to find stuff with Star Trek references in it. There's all kinds of great songs that reference Star Trek. There aren't as many songs that reference Star Trek The Next Generation, though. Uh, You know, you can go through a ton of the Beastie Boys catalog and find all kinds of great Star Trek references, uh, but mostly it's to Spock and Kirk and McCoy and, you know... The, the 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 TOS series, as it were, a little harder to find stuff representing representing next gen. Uh, so if you guys know any, let me know, and uh, maybe we'll make that the intro for the next Picard review episode. We'll see how that goes. So, all right, let's get into it. Episode three of Star Trek Card is titled "The End Is the Beginning," and it was uh, once again rec- uh, directed by uh, by Hannah Lee Culpepper. Actually, I want to I'm going to put a pin in that real quick because. Uh, I do want to mention real quickly that, uh, as also discussed last week on the show, I did have a chance to finish that Star Trek Picard Countdown miniseries comic that was available through IDW Publishing uh, that acted as a somewhat as a, of, a, of a prequel uh, of, for this Picard series. Um, the most interesting, without getting too plot-specific on, on it, it, it mostly details how Laris and Javon came to uh, be... Picard's sort of uh, caretakers on the... And they're not Picard's caretakers necessarily in that sense. They're not there to, to tend to him necessarily. Uh, that just seems to be one of the perks of them being there, I suppose. Uh, they're there for their wine knowledge. They're actually Romulans who know quite a bit about uh, grapes and and fermentation processes and things of that nature. Uh, this is actually how they kind of come to be in Picard's company. And they're uh, leaving the Tal Shiar uh, to... Live a more peaceful life together with each other, and um, it it ends in a good place as far as. Oh, okay, like the, the, everything still seems hopeful. It doesn't end like the way I thought it might. Where okay, this is going to end and butt up right against what we know about the uh, Utopia Planitia shipyard attacks, and that brings an end to the series. But that's not how it how it plays out. Not how it finishes up. Uh, it actually ends in a way that it makes me ask more questions about what we've seen from the from the synth attack on the, on the shipyards of on Mars, um, because one of the last things he does in the comic prequel is he makes a, uh, a he sends a message a video message a video chat whatever you know I forget the name of the exact term that they use in Star Trek when they're communicating with one, one another via. Via screens, uh, and he's he's calling the the shipmaster at the Utopia Planitia shipyards, which is our good friend Jordi uh, LaForge. So, if Jordi's the head of the shipyards, and he's heading up the project that's overseeing this uh, fleet of vessels that will, you know, r- help the evacuation of the Romulans from the supernova uh, supernova in their system. He's uh, conveniently uh, conspicuously absent. Uh, from the the shipyard attacks, as we've seen them now, we know that the shipyard attacks take place on uh, first contact day, which is a, a, a seemingly a bit of a holiday there, except for this one crew, this one t- worker team that we that we sort of follow along in the beginning of episode two. So what? Jordy's not there because it's a day off or a holiday? I don't know. That doesn't seem very uh, Jordy LaForge ish of him if he's taking a day off while uh, his uh, the his captain of, of record is his his main man Captain Picard Admiral Picard uh, has tasked him with uh, refitting these ships for an evacuation of the Roman people. seems odd that he would decide to take a holiday in the middle of that. But what do I know this if there's one again one of one of the nitpicks I have about the show is like there's a lot of details that uh, they don't like to provide for us and it kind of bums me out a little bit. Obviously, they're playing up the uh, mystery aspects of the show. They want they want to kind of keep, you know, they don't want to give us all the answers right away, and I I understand that. Uh, but the way that they're forcing us to ask questions that I don't think we need to ask is a bit of a bummer. Now, obviously, LaForge isn't dead because he is mentioned by name in Episode 2 as well, where, or was it Episode 1? But there's that scene uh, where Javon references Picard calling on his old friends, calling on Riker and Worf, and he says LaForge by name. So LaForge obviously is not dead. So it, it seems peculiar that he would not be there on the day of the attack to because we know LaForge. He's a very dedicated man, dedicated to his job, dedicated to ships and, and engineering. So in, in the middle of a crisis, you know, getting these ships ready to go for an evacuation, it seems odd that uh, Starfleet takes a major holiday during it. And, but we'll talk more about that later because obviously we have more informa- a little bit more information or at least hints of information that uh, the shipyard attack was a coordinated attack between Romulans and Starfleet officials. So it being on a holiday makes a fair amount of sense as they try to minimize human casualties on a day where there's less people working there. Though it, that seems odd too because they do say that 92,000 people died on this. So what the hell do I know? They... Uh, again there's there's a fair amount of information that we're still missing that's getting to be a tad frustrating but uh you know hopefully we'll get there you know you, you, I, I want to give the show a chance I want to give the show uh room to tell its story so I don't want to get impatient and start making demands of it that's not going to be a fun way to enjoy the show because as I said I am really really enjoying the show I just wish there they weren't like kind of stretching that taffy out so much per se. Just like, give me a little bit more information, and uh, and that's sort of what they do in this episode too. We get we get obviously the the big takeaway from this episode. If you, I'm hoping you guys have seen it already, is Picard assembles his team. He he gets a new crew. This is kind of like the you know forming of the band kind of thing where where everyone's coming together and we're 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 about to take off to begin the quest. This is that episode which is great because it ends. And Picard says, "Engage," and we take off to space. It's wonderful. It's, it, there's lots of wonderful things, but we will talk about some of the questions that I have. But before we even do that, I want to call my shot right now. I want to put it on the record. I might have even made this joke with Reagan, and I didn't necessarily mean it as a joke. But I, I'm more confident now in in stating, like, like, like I said, with confidence. Uh, I generally think that the big reveal of this show is going to be that at some point in their history the Romulans are the one who created the Borg. And then this Jodfosh is what rose up out of that as as the the Borg sort of gained sentience and became, you know, assimilators of, of, of the culture. You know, the Jad Vash is what conspired to conceal that information, to suppress all knowledge of, of synthetics and, and synthetic life and cybernetic life uh, and possibly is what shot the Borg into the Delta Quadrant to begin with. Um, you remember, when the, when the Borg first started making their, their appearances in Next Generation, one of the first things we hear about is uh, a colonies being lifted from the, from, the planet, from the surface of planets along the neutral zone between Starfleet and the Romulan Star Empire. So, perhaps the Rhyme, the Borg were on their way back to their creators to seek a little bit of revenge when Starfleet interferes and and we, we get the attention of, you know, thanks to Q, you know, they, they have their attention of Starfleet and, and everybody like that. So it, it's it seems like they're trying to make that connection there that this is my shot. I could be completely wrong about this, but there does seem to be some precedent for it. And then another thing to nitpick a little bit about is this Jad Fash, this double secret uh, you know, Tashiar boogeymen kind of people that seem to exist within the empire, but are they members of the Tal Shiar that are like sworn to some code that we don't know? Like, who are the Jad Fash in in this sense? I mean, we don't really know exactly it's, it's so far it's a name we've heard. But we have no distinguishing, or no no way to know exactly who is Jad Vosh. You know these this team that attacks Picard in the chateau. Are they Jad Vash or Are they just Tal Shiar? It's it's a little confusing. It's a little much to parse through. And we'll talk about that scene because that scene goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And I'll I'll, I'll cover that uh, at at some point too. So. Yeah, I wanna call my shot on that Borg on the on the Ramen Screen the Borg because honestly, that storyline I don't understand where it's going. Unless that's what they're getting at. Because it's the only thing that makes any sense because otherwise we're just watching Soji and Narek engage with former Borg drones for no real discernible reason. Um, you know, and perhaps it's something we're gonna to get to, but that, that storyline kind of has its feet in the mud at the moment where it's just a little slow, it's a little um plotting you know other than the you know other than trying to see that that soji has abilities and is not you know what she appears to be which we already know we're watching the show so it's it i ultimately think that's where they're getting to is is that'll be the big reveal towards the end of the season or maybe at the end of season 2 i you know i i, I don't know how they're going to pace this out how they're going to plot this out so Yeah, I wanted to put that on the record first and foremost before we really kind of dive into the show. Um, And I'm going to go. We're going to go kind of fast because we don't need to rehash every single aspect of the show because this episode, this episode moves quickly, just like the episode before it. I mean, it goes beat to beat. It goes boom, 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 and we really move along. And I like the. I did like the fact that this episode opens with another flashback to. Uh, Picard's past, this is 14 years this is right after the shipyard attack that we saw that opened episode 2 and this is uh, but this is from Picard's point of view because this is him at Starfleet uh, aka the uh, Anaheim Convention Center and I've been to WonderCon I know what it looks like uh, and this is this is the fall this is the Starfleet telling Picard that it's over there's going to be no Starfleet led evacuation of the Romulans rafi's waiting outside this is they still have a really strong relationship at this point and you know rafi goes over everything and they think it's going to work out and then we, we find out this is why picard left starfleet because of this he puts his all of his cards on the table and he says well if you're not going to back this play i'm going to resign and starfleet says cool we'll take that resignation moving on next we're moving on to cincinnati and it's it's interesting um Obviously we knew this was the, the the impetus for Picard not being in Starfleet. But it seems, I don't know, it's it it did seem to me like it was Picard kind of giving up a little early. Um perhaps it's because he just becomes completely disillusioned with with Starfleet and and the uh, the intolerance and the 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 sort of pro-human and and you know all these all these different little things that they've kind of talked about in in little whispers. What is most interesting is some of Rafi's reactions to these things because Rafi seems to think there is a Tal Romulan connection to those attacks but Picard dismisses it out of hand which again seems very un-Picard like to me and that actually plays later in the episode when we're in the current time period where he's still dismissing these things despite the fact that the Romulans and the Starfleet have some kind of conspiracy going on together and he's now part of it so it seems strange that he's... Okay, I get it. He's dismissive initially. But by the modern time period, he should be a bit more willing to accept the fact that, yeah, there's some shady Romulan shit going on. He, I, I don't know why. It just seems like Picard's being extremely naive about about some of this stuff. It's interesting. I don't know. Maybe he needs Riker there to slap him across the back of his head or something. Um, but for the most part, I do really like this scene. It does fill in the blanks on, on what happened, how things played out. Um, I like seeing... This strong relationship between Rafi and Jean-Luc. I like the fact that she calls him JL. And I actually I really enjoyed seeing these uh, these Star these these uniforms from this period of, of of Star Trek history. I thought they were pretty well done. I like the little gold blast across the shoulders for, for the Admiral. And uh, I like the deep the deep triangles on the shoulder. I think that looks good. The way it's like nice and sharp. I'm a big fan of that sharpness with the uniforms. Um but but this sets the tone again. I can't rewrite the show for it. I can't say what I would have done because who cares what I would have done? It's not my show. I mean, it could be if they let it. I would I would happily say yes. But what do you gonna do? So we fa- we fast forward now, and then we get to uh, the the next part of the show. And I'm trying to think. If there's one more thing I wanted to note about about this specific scene. Um. Oh, you know what? There is something I wanted to note about the scene. I, I thought it was odd that as Jean-Luc is sitting there and and sort of beginning to 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 wallow in the unfortunate um situation he now finds himself in, not only is he no longer able to to mount this 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 rescue, this evacuation of the Romulan people, um he's no longer in Starfleet. Star he feels betrayed by Starfleet. Um, and he just seems just generally hapless, helpless. I should say, uh, it, he does seem to give up a little fast. Like I really do think Jean Luc would have gone rogue at some at, to make this happen. Um, but again, that that that's a little bit of, the, of, the, of a of a of a nitpick. We have to, we had to get Picard to this point where he's disillusioned with Starfleet, and and that's obviously the way we did it. And I, and I think for the most part, it, it is effective. Uh, what I thought was interesting was what happens next where Rafi gets the comm call that the CNC wants to see her and that she's going to get fired now because of her association with Picard which I thought was strange because uh, I didn't think you could get fired from Starfleet. Maybe I'm crazy? I, I don't know how Starfleet just goes, you're fired. Get out of here. I mean, that maybe they demote you or that maybe they put you on a shitty assignment or some kind of you know, putting the record keeping room for a couple decades or whatever, but fired? That seemed odd. That again, there's a little bit of a rub there and it is what it is. So now we get we get back into our our main time period and this is Picard and Rafi at the at her little mobile modular housing unit at Vasquez Rocks. Which, in case you don't know, is a popular filming site for Star Trek over the years and many other Hollywood pictures, but most famously where Kirk fought the Gorn in, in the original series. So we find Picard here, and, and he's asking Rafi for a ship and a pilot. And uh, we find that, that Jean Luc has not been a very good friend to, to Rafi. Uh, he, he seemingly knew her plight, her situation, after being dismissed from Starfleet and he never got in contact with her which again is another little character quirk that uh it kind of bothers me a little bit that that Picard wouldn't have tried to uh maintain a relationship with it, with this person who was his friend at one point who was his first officer as an admiral at, when he was beginning plans for this evacuation uh it's it's it that it, that ring that ring a little false to me um but it gives us a little bit more insight into, into why Rafi is so reluctant to help Jean-Luc because he wasn't a good friend to her. And uh, we find out that she has a bit of a penchant for growing uh, what I can only assume are some kind of narcotic of some sort, which is also a little strange. A lot of smoking in this episode, by the way, which I thought was interesting. But there's um, this is sort of something that's been going on with Star Trek since it came back with Discovery, is this sort of uh, pulling back from the, from the Gene Roddenberry uh, you know, utopian utopian vision of of humanity in the future. This is a much, a much more of uh, human is human humans humanity is still uh, fallible and uh, prone to, you know, our baser instincts, I suppose, you know, making poor decisions, not always, not always looking out at each other, but sometimes becoming selfish, and wallowing. In, in self-pity and remorse and things of that nature. Because uh, we, 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 as we meet this cast that... I'm sorry, this this crew... This ca- I'm sorry, let's, let's put it this way. As we meet this cast of characters who will become Jean-Luc's crew, uh, it's really sort of a collection of misfit toys in a lot of senses. I mean, these guys are all broken and damaged people. They all have uh, a, a tragedy, a, a sadness to them. So in, in this way, that are they're incomplete apart, but I'm assuming that coming together will help all of them heal each other, potentially, perhaps maybe I'm looking a little too far ahead I'm getting a little ahead of myself um, and again, this is this, but getting back to the scene this is where we, we find out that, that Rafi has evidence of of Tal shiar involvement in the plot against Mars, Jean-Luc doesn't believe it because he believes, why would the Romulans want to sabotage their rescue Again, these are things we don't have the answers to, but it seems odd to me that Picard's so dismissive of it. I mean, sure, it makes sense. What he, what he says makes sense, but it's the Romulans. <laughs> these, I mean, the Romulans are like plans within plans within plans within plans. And, uh, you know, they're not nearly as straightforward as it is when you're dealing with the Klingons. So, you know, who knows? Interesting stuff. So now we we're, the next scene cuts to the Borg stuff, and again I'm I, I just find a lot of the Borg stuff kind of is visually impressive, but not insanely interesting. Uh, this first scene here is pretty is is pretty good for 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 fans of of Star Trek and the Next Generation. If you don't recognize them right off the bat, uh, we are introduced to to or reintroduced to Jonathan Del Arco, the actor playing Hugh, the former Borg, who. On Star Trek, the next generation was was separated from the collective, and uh, began to reform his individual identity. And now we find out that uh, he is the director who oversees the deborganization <laughs> of these alien species that are on the cube, and he's going to see Soji and uh, basically express his his. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I don't have the words. Uh, his appreciation for the way she treats these these nameless these these XBs as as they're called on the show, um, and and in return as a show of gratitude, he's going to grant he was going to grant Soji an, an interview with a former Borg drone named Ramda, who is also a Romulan, as we will find out. But um, we'll get to the Ramda scene a little bit later. Again, this these scenes with the Borg stuff on the Rom, on the Borg cube. There's just not enough information to really parse through here. It's like, like, what is the purpose of all of this? What exactly is going on here? It's it still seems strange to me that the Romulans, and again, perhaps it's because they're a bit of a decimated people, but it it seems so odd to me that they have all these different species working on a project with them when they when they were extremely isolationists. Um, uh, when they were the Star Empire still, prior to the supernova. And it, it's almost like them and Starfleet have done a flip-flop, where Starfleet seems to be becoming almost isolationist in a lot of ways, which is odd because, you know, Starfleet and the Federation and, like, 75 billion other planets. But, I mean, whatever. Again, that's kind of like this, this uh, de-utopization of Star Trek that's happening, where we're, uh, in order to to create dramatic... Tension in the story. We have to make humanity less than perfect, less than idealized, like the way Roddenberry wanted it to be. So now we have to kind of make it so that Starfleet and the Federation are analogs for our current administrations and in, in government and in politics and things of that nature. It, they want to make it reflective, which, from a storytelling perspective, I do understand. Uh, it's just is a little not Star Trek, but Star Trek hasn't has kind of been this way since it came back on CBS All Access. This seems to be one of the ways that they're making the show um, more connectable to a new audience. And I think that's the thing that has to be remembered. We talked a little bit about it before. Star Trek, I think, is becoming a show that they... they, Keeping us us hardcore Star Trek nerds happy, uh, I don't think is the priority anymore. Like, I mean, I probably represent the young side of the hardcore Star Trek fans. Someone who, you know... 30s and 40s, all right? That's probably the young side of the Star Trek fan spectrum. They need new blood. And a show that they can more easily relate to, more easily understand, I think is completely reasonable. So I, I try not to cast too much aspersions on that. I don't want it to be disparaging to the new Trek world that they're trying to create. Uh, because it's, it's the same thing I go through with, with my comic books. I mean, I, I get to a certain point with some books and some characters where I'm like, you know what, this is... Uh, I still love this character, but it's sort of not for me anymore. And I, I have no problem with that because like Star Trek, like the comic book industry can't rely on, you know, 40, 50 year old men to keep it going for another, you know, 100 years. It's just not realistic. So you kind of have to remold the vision a little bit. And though the Roddenberry truthers are not going to like that. And I think that's why a lot of Roddenberry truthers don't like discovery. And th- like I said, their concerns are valid, but I want to watch Star Trek, so I'm, I'm willing to be a little flexible in my views of what the 24th century can look like. Maybe that's just me. All right, so we, the next scene goes back to Earth. We find out that Rafi is going to help Picard and because Picard's basically offering an apology, but she is still a little weary, leery and weary of him because... And she's going to talk about it. She has evidence that points to a Tal Shiar conspiracy with Starfleet for the Mars attack, and he still doesn't want to hear it, which just seems odd after everything that's just happened in these recent episodes. To still be like, no, I don't. That's fine. What I don't believe you. Go on. But anyways, we have to get past that. Uh, that obviously, this will be something that's more de- further dealt with in the show when. When cars going be forced to realize that this is right, this that there is a vast and insidious conspiracy. And yes, I'm using a line from Watchmen to describe what's happening in Star Trek right now. But that's because it's appropriate and it's going to fit. Now, I'm going to pause. I'm not going to pause. I'm going to take a sip of beer right now. So you guys just hang out for a second while I do that, okay? Mm. That's good stuff. Got a little hop slam from Bells today. There is some clunky dialogue in this episode and a, a little bit of it is that it, this exchange between Rafi and Picard because it seems like Rafi's saying things that Picard's not quite hearing. It's a little odd. Now I get it. Picard's like a 90-year-old man in this episode, but what are you going to do? Rafi's still going to set him up. She's still, I think she still wants to like Jean-Luc despite their, their falling out and despite their current circumstances. So it's, it's a nice little thing right there before Picard goes on his way. So here we get to a scene that I will talk a little bit more about down the road. We cut to the Daystrom Institute. We, we reconnect with Dr. Agnes Gir- Gir- Girardi, Girardi sorry, and we find out that she's being approached by secret super spy of, the Star- of Starfleet, Commodore O. We do, are confirmed that she is a Vulcan, indeed a Vulcan in this episode, unlike what Reagan Rey. thought. Ha ha, Reagan, gotcha but she's wearing, like, sunglasses, which I thought was weird. I was like, this is, like, so... I don't know. like This is, like, weird spycraft stuff from, like, the 50s for Star Trek. It's very, very odd to see a Vulcan wearing sunglasses. Uh O is there to confront Girardi about the conversation she had with Picard, and that it goes away. We cut away from it, and now we go to Back to the Cube, and we're going to have this conversation with... uh Between Soji and Ramda, the excuse me the uh the XB Xborg that is who's is also a Romulan and Soji is interested in Ramda because she uh, this this shared narrative framework she's trying to understand between former Borg drones and stuff like that and we find out that Ramda along with the other Romulan Borgs that are in the cell with her this this kind of contained area uh where one of the last ships assimilated by the cube that they are now on. And uh, Ramda has some very interesting information. The scene's full of all kinds of mysteries and riddles and and weird double talk and stuff like that. Uh, It's only interesting in the sense that we get more of this destroyer talk, finally. Uh, Like something that was illustrated in the trailers. And I think that is really this purpose of of it. It, it. You know, we... To kind of throw Soji off her game. But we also see how Soji's able to get more information. She knows things that Hugh doesn't even know. Which is fine. It, it is what it is. We also get Ramda playing this weird kind of a Romulan tarot game. Which is... I thought the cards were kind of cool looking and I liked the little images on them and I liked the way it looked uh, pretty weathered. So they did a nice job with those cards, I thought. Now this scene starts to get interspliced with a couple of other things. Um, we cut back to... I actually really like the scene right here where we find Rafi starting to look at, uh, you know, research for for the mission and stuff like that. It's like some of the details that Picard has shared. So I like him communicating with her. And he's like, you're doing the work, aren't you? And she's like, no. He's like, yes, you are. And he's like, I'll send you everything I have. And he just kind of cuts off. And I was like, oh, that's very Picard right there to know the person so well that you can kind of anticipate their moves and be ready for it. So, yeah, Rafi's the one. She's looking for she's looking for Maddox because Picard has mentioned that he has to go and find Bruce Maddox. And I think it annoys Rafi that Picard knows her so well, but it's pretty funny. Now we get to what I thought was one of the highlights of this episode. We get to meet Captain Cristobal Rios and his menagerie of uh, holographic assistants. Uh, it's a pretty... It's a pretty funny scene. I really enjoy A, the holographic projections, the, the holographic characters. He has an emergency medical hologram, and he has an emergency navigator hologram as well. And they are all versions of him, of, of Rios, but they have very different looks, and they all have different accents, which I thought was pretty uh, interesting as well. I like this actor a lot. Uh, this is uh, Santiago Cabrera, and uh, the, the show I remember him most distinctly from was a couple years back on BBC America. There was a uh, it was a new adaptation of The Musketeers, like The Three Musketeers, and he played uh, Aramis on it, and I thought, it was, I thought he was pretty good, pretty interesting character. It was, it was a pretty interesting show. Uh, I liked the first season a lot, but what happened was, between season one and season two, the actor playing Cardinal Richelieu, the main villain for The Three Musketeers, uh, who on the show was played by uh, Peter Capaldi, well, Peter Capaldi got cast, his dream job, as Doctor Who. So he left the Musketeers to join Doctor Who and uh, instead of recasting Peter Capaldi, which obviously would have been a, a, a tall order, uh, but they decided to kill Cardinal Richelieu, which I, I don't think was the best decision they have ever made, which uh, judging by it's not coming back after season two, was <laughs> echoed by many others. So that's where I know this guy from. But if you go on his IMDb page, you might we'll probably recognize him from a couple of different projects. So, I thought it was pretty cool to see him turn up. I like the way he's kind of this edgy character. Again, another character we see smoking is, is very Wolverine-esque in in a sense here because he's you know bearded with a cigar and he's got a big hunk of metal coming out of his shoulder. So there's kind of a kind of a Logan-esque thing going on here, which I thought was pretty interesting. I like when they're in their meeting. Picard walks by the captain's chair and he kind of pauses. that like. I kind of want to sit here, but he just keeps going. He, he's respectful to the captain of the ship that he's about to be or that he's trying to hire. Uh, and I like the back and forth that that, that Rios and Picard have. It, I think it's a kind of a good verbal sparring where they're trying to feel each other out, kind of get a good feel for who each other is. And um, this is further extrapolated a, a little bit later in the show, and I'll, I'll talk about it as as that scene comes up. But uh, I, I I do like how Picard is able to recognize by the 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 manner in which the ship is kept that Rios is is Starfleet. To the core, as he says in the show. So it's it's pretty interesting, and and a, like I said, a fun exchange between these two characters. I think Rios is going to be a character that I really really like on the show. So I hope I'm accurate with that. <laughs> it turns out he's a total dickbag and I hate him by the you know by next week. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. the The next scene is Rafi figuring out where Bruce Maddox is. We see her doing like all these weird like. Computer ciphery things with like all these holograms and stuff like that is visually interesting, but you don't really know what the hell is happening until you, this name pops up on the screen and it's Free Cloud. And you find out, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell Free Cloud is. So Of course, they had to go to some planet I've never fucking heard of, but you know, why not? The next scene is back with Rios, and this is where his um, emergency. I believe this is the navi- No, this is the. Ho- uh, this might be the medical. No, this is the, the Navigator one, I believe. Hard to keep track. Of. Rios has got a lot of holograms floating around. But we find out that that uh, Rios is in fact a kind of a Captain Picard fanboy in a, in a lot of senses, which I thought was kind of a fun little cute little twist for the character. Uh, and it's cool that they give Picard all these cool titles, you know, like a uh, contact for the Q continuum and you know arbitrator of succession for the Klingon Empire, stuff like that. I thought that was really cool to hear all these kind of titles that he has. Uh, it it was rad. I just love hearing that. And, uh, again, I think it adds something nice to the character. But you you see Rios is this guy. He's had bad things happen to him, just like Rafi, just like Picard. uh, They they talk about it in that first scene. Rios was the first officer on a ship that's been scrubbed from the records of Starfleet. So what the hell happened there? We don't know. We do find out that his captain on that ship, who is a sort of heroic type of captain, uh, ended up with his brain splattered all over a bulkhead. So that ended badly and now it seems that that's why Rios is a bit reluctant to kind of go all in on joining up with Picard but you know as we, as it's going to happen we know it's going to happen we saw the trailers I mean come on people like what are we doing here So again a good scene good fun stuff I I, I could watch this this uh with the holograms for a while i hope the holograms continue to play a part on the on the show they're pretty fun to watch now we go back to earth picard's at the chateau and this is a nice conversation between he and laris where you know he says he tried he really tried to be here on the vineyard and here to do these things but he's always meant to be in in space in the stars and going back is what he's supposed to be because is, is what he's supposed to do because it's where he's supposed to be and uh it's a, again it's a fun moment between the two characters a nice little moment between laris and then we'll see uh Je, Je, <laughs> come uh, so excited to deliver this, this bag of uh of bread and cheeses to picard for his trip it's like it's such a kind of funny surreal scene with this this you know Rommel and guy with a basket full of cheese not a basket but a, a bag full of french cheeses and breads and stuff like that and uh it made me laugh and of course you get the classic duck down luckily the blaster fire went right over his head I'm actually getting a little ahead of myself because this is when we cut back to the, the to the Borg ship actually and we find more with Ramda and Soji and her, her questioning. And again, this is where we find out that Soji knows a lot more than she's supposed to, a lot more than, than Hugh knows, and he's the director of this program. So it's, it's very interesting. Now, meanwhile, back at the, at the, at the, at the Chateau, we, this is where, after Zidane ducks down, sorry, Zaban ducks down, this is where the attack happens. The, these, uh, this Romulan task force that apparently is under the, under the direction of Commodore O., uh, are they Talshiar? Are they Jadfash? Are they just Romulan soldiers that Starfleet has access to? Again, not clear. We don't have a lot of information on this. But it's a great fight scene. We find out that Laris and Jaban are still fully engaged in their their martial skills, and it's uh, it's it, again a great shootout scene. Great attacks. You find out that the Chateau has has blasters stashed all over it just in case there's an incursion. Which makes a fair amount of sense. I'm sure they never really thought that they would be coming for Picard, but as former Talshiar agents, um, in the convicts, it, it even alludes to the fact that like Lars and Jaban, as deserters, are concerned that they would be hunted down. So they, it, it makes sense they would they take steps to be ready in case the Talshiar ever came looking for them. And again, these are not surprises to Picard, as he's able to find a, bl- a blaster or two as well. Good, a good, fun action scene. Lots of cool action, people getting flipped around, thrown. Even Old Man Picard gets gets in on the act a little bit here, too. Where this scene, it hasn't fallen apart yet. It's the last part of this scene. As one more Romulan comes to the door and is blasted from behind by Dr. Girardi with, with a Romulan disruptor. And she does a very good job of, of, of seeing, seeming shocked by her actions, but hoping that the blaster was on stun. And we get a funny line that Romulan disruptors don't have stun. And that's very, very funny. And Dr. Girardi reacts appropriately for a scientist. And maybe this could be a total red herring. And maybe I'm falling for it. But it just kind of rubs me. Like, this is so typical spycraft stuff right here. Like, we're gonna stage this attack, and you're gonna swoop in at the last second and get the last guy, and it's gonna ingratiate you to our our heroes, and then you're gonna be in the group, and then you're gonna be our double agent. So it feels like this is a setup by Commodore or Commodore O, because we don't we aren't privy to the conversation that she has with Dr. Girardi. Again, this could be a total red herring. I could just be buying it hook, line, and sinker. And there's, there's more reference to this in, later in the episode, and I, I will try to remember to talk to that. Well, in case I don't, uh, when Girardi gets on the ship, when they beam up to go into space, and and, and Rafi's on the ship, and she's like, who is this? You didn't even have me do a background check, even a, even a basic one. So I'm a little leery of Dr. Girardi. Now, I do suspect she's she's working under duress for Commodore O, but I could be wrong about that. It also could be that that Girardi has plans of her own, and she's not as uh, nerdy, kind of incapable, uh, in, you know, incapable as she appears to be, because she's just desperate to get thematics Maddox. Perhaps it, it, she could have her own agenda here too. It, it's a little hard to say, and it, it could be the two things at once. Like maybe she's trying to take advantage of Picard's um, desire to to solve this mystery. And perhaps she is working for O at the same time, but perhaps she has her own plans. Like once I get to Maddox, I'm going to screw all of them over. I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it does feel like they're trying to set her up as as this character who's going to betray the group, and we're also to be really surprised because she seems so sweet and innocent. It could be a total red herring. I could be totally buying it for no real good reason other than I've seen too many spy movies, and if there's one thing they're not doing very well in the show, it's spycraft. So I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have another sip of beer, folks. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. So, Picard hands a a glass of wine, and they're going to go interrogate the one Romulan who apparently survived, because Jabon busts a bottle of wine over one's head, and I'm assuming that was, was rendered him unconscious. This is where this scene falls apart to me. I thought something cool was going to happen, and it didn't and it made me be like okay this scene's just dumb it just it's it's there because as Picard and Laris and Jabon are going to conduct this invest, this interrogation of this Romulan agent whether he's Tal Shiar whether he's Jad Faj, we don't know is going to intersplice back to the Borg cube with Hugh with Soji with Ramda as Ronda becomes agitated and irritated ir, ag, agitated I guess is the best word so I'll stick with agitated and Figures out that Soji's not what she appears to be. She's one of the cards that she has is is of twins, and she knows that one is to die and one is to live. Which one are you? It's really intense. But then Ramda freaks out, grabs a gun from one of the from one of the guards, points it at Soji, and calls her to the destroyer. So we get more destroyer talk. Meanwhile, at the at the at the chateau, where this scene why this scene falls apart is because it's supposed to echo that the, the same scene we're seeing on the board cube. This Romulan is going to say Soji's the destroyer too. And we don't know what that means. And it's just another mystery box for the show. And that's fine. Except for the fact of what happens later. It, it, just a few moments later to end the scene at the Chateau. And we've seen this already. Now, I tried to justify it that maybe Picard was too far away in episode one to see exactly what happened to Dodge when right before she dies. But as an audience, we know that that Romulan guy has that acid tooth. So why is he even engaging in this conversation when he should just hit his little acid tooth and spit the acid all over Picard and end the show? I don't know. know, Just, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me and it doesn't make much sense. Because eventually he does use the acid tooth and he spits on Jabon and Jabon's able to shake himself out of that sweater. He doesn't dissolve into nothing. Meanwhile, this... Assassin does. So, I, I feel like this scene only exists so that he can call Soji the Destroyer and so that Picard can hear that Soji is being called the Destroyer by the Romulans. Because other than that, it makes no sense. Just you hit, you hit. Now, what I thought was going to happen was Picard did see the tooth thing and the spit from the initial attack on Dodge in episode one so he was aware of the tooth and that we were going to get some thing where the Romulan makes a, a move with his jaw. Like he's going to spit the poison on Picard. But then Picard holds up the tooth. he's like, looking for this, jackass? I don't know if he's... he probably wouldn't say jackass. But they like to the curse on the show now. So maybe he says jackass. But that doesn't happen. And so with the fact that uh, the Romulan waited so long to spit his poison... His, his acid all over somebody was, uh, was, was irksome to me. But, you know, what are you going to do? Like I said, I think the scene basically just exists so that Picard has this information that Soji is the destroyer and he has to try and figure out what that means. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> now, I do want to go back to what happens after uh, Soji's experience with Ramda after the attack. Because Ramda, at the end of her scene... Is going to takes the blaster and is going to kill herself. And Soji, with the super enhanced reflexes of a synthoid, uh, is able to close the distance between her and and Ramda and take the weapon away and make sure Ramda doesn't doesn't kill herself. And it all happens in like the blink of an eye. We see like the cards falling off the table. And Soji's over there in a heartbeat. and... Uh, maybe this will play out a little bit later. We don't get much explanation on it. But from this card game, we get Soji very concerned about her sister. We, now, we know that Soji's aware of having a sister, but we don't know if Dodge was aware of having a sister. But what I wanted to talk about from this scene is that she goes. Soji goes back to her quarters and she's calling her mom. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this because uh, I think in the first episode review, I kind of hypothesized that uh, I think the mom's not a real person at all. I think it's some kind of AI that they're dialing into and that gives Dodge and Soji instructions because as soon as Soji asks about Dodge, the mom begins telling all these things and it, it, it's, it sounds like it's a bunch of keywords that trigger like a sleep mode for Soji because she quickly passes out and wakes later when Narek comes in. So it's very interesting. Again, I think she's either calling into some kind of separate AI or it's some kind of manifest- manifestation of a subroutine of her, her uh, cybernetic processing system. It, it I it would be pretty shocked if it was actually a real person on the other end of that thing. But uh, again, I'm just try- I'm just gonna call my shot based on my random hypotheses here today. So after she wakes up, Nerik walks into the room. And we find out that, that Narek's continuing his emotional manipulation of, of Soji and, you know, asks if he can trust her, if she can keep a secret. And he tells her, I think I'm falling in love with you because I am Narek, the loving Romulan. And Narek goes away. And we find that uh, Narek's sister, which I believe is Narissa, is now on the Borg cube back with her. Uh, Natural Romulan ears, and she's like sniffing her brother and talking about like the way the sex smells on him and stuff like that. It's weird. It's creepy. And it's I I made me wonder if uh, if these two are supposed to be the new Jamie and Cersei Lannister incest sisters and brothers, you know, or, or Romulan is Romulan incest not frowned upon? Maybe I don't know because it's kind of creepy. They love to be super close to each other's faces, and they would love to whisper in each other's ears about inappropriately weird things. And uh, it just kind of gave me a really weird vibe. Um, for spies, they seem to be doing a lot of talking to each other instead of doing their actual missions. But what do I know about that? All right. So we get to the end of the show, basically. At this point, Gerardi's talking her way onto the onto the onto Rios's ship. She's saying what what value she can be to the to as a member of the crew, her expertise in in cybernetics and and. You know, synthetic life and all this, blah 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 blah. But okay, again, I just emphasize that I just I blah 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 it because we know it's it's happening. I mean, we know she's going to go to the crew. the The sad part about the formation of the crew is is that Laris and Jabon are left behind, which it kind of bummed me out because I really like these two characters, and I'm assuming we're not going back to Earth anytime soon. So, I don't know. I don't know. By the way, there is a good line here where Picard has a communicator open to Rios, because Rios is called down. He's like, hey, it's hot. We gotta get out of here. And you know, Jean-Luc's like, it's already hot. And there's a great line where, where where Girardi's pit making her pitch. She's like, I don't know how expensive this captain of yours is. And, and Rios is like, I'm very expensive. And it's pretty good. Pretty funny line. Again, more time for for Rios to shine. I think he's gonna be kind of like our charismatic Star Trek version of Han Solo here, which is hey now, not bad. A Star Trek Han Solo. that's not. I'll take it. I'll take it. If it's going to be Rios, why not? So we're on the ship. And this is where that line comes in, where Rafi's like, you just brought her? We didn't even do a security check. No background check. What the hell? Lame. So everyone's in place. We're all on the ship. Rafi's telling Picard that we got to go to Free Cloud. That's where Maddox is at. And it's all very, very exciting because it's time to go. It's time for Star Trek to be in the stars. We're done on... like I said, I think we're done on Earth. I hope we're done on Earth. I don't want to go back to Earth. They do show. Well, hang on, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. So it is it is funny. Well, interesting. I say funny instead of interesting sometimes. You guys have probably noticed that. But it, it is interesting that Rafi is tagging along. She he was Picard did not expect her to join the crew, and by her own words, she is not joining the crew. She wants a ride to Free Cloud. So I'm kind of curious now what her objective is going to be once they get to Free Cloud, and I'm assuming they're not going to get to Free Cloud right away. There's probably going to be a stop or two along the along the way, and a few hiccups on the road. But we get Picard saying engage. We get a swelling of the Star Trek theme, and we get to see Rios engage with some pretty sweet holographic controls, which I really enjoy, uh, especially on this smaller type craft. You know, this is a very non-Federation esque vessel, and we take off. For warp, and that's how this episode ends. And I thought again, it's a strong episode. It's really, really enjoyable. I liked seeing all these characters come together. Um, and now we're to the next leg of the journey. Act two begins on Thursday of next week. And in the preview, we get to see that they're going to meet up with a character who has been hinted at in the trailers. Is this? Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be Romulan or a Vulcan, but is this this kind of like swordsman character? So we're going to see how this shakes out, but we also see that Romulan, the more Romulans evacuated, displaced Romulans, and they have a grudge against Picard. It looks like, um, it looks exciting. But and we're like I said, we're in space. We're going to go to other planets now. I'm really excited for the next act of the series. Uh, I, I think we can only go in bigger and bolder directions now that we are away from Earth. But obviously, some people are after Picard. They're going to be hunted down. Commodore O is obviously not backing off, but. You know, does O have a inside connection now? Is Girardi her spy, her source on the inside? We're going to have to find out. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Are we going to get the big reveal? Uh, do we find out that the Romulans are in fact the creators of the Borg? And the Jad Vash rose from the ashes of that failed experiment to kind of cover up and conceal Romulan involvement in the creation of one of the most devastating species in the galaxy. and And in their quest to cover it up, they now hate all synthetic life form because they know that, or they fear that it could all evolve into the Borg. Um, it, it, that that again, that's my personal theory. I think it has a lot of credence. God damn it! So hopefully, you think I'm I'm right because you're you're smart people. You listen to this podcast, so we're probably all in this together. I think. All right, I got nothing else to say about this episode. Again, there's plenty of nits to pick. But it's a fun show. It's really, really enjoyable. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. And one more thing too, before we go, I because because th- again, this may be calling me calling my shot one more time, uh, but I feel like I need to get it on the record uh, before it may happen because it may it could happen fairly soon. Uh, but one question I kind of been uh, wondering about, and again, I think I think Reagan and I may have chatted about this, but I don't remember if it made it into the show or not. So I'm going to say it again. But where is Lore. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, Lore is sort of Data's, Commander Data's evil brother, uh, who was dismantled at the beginning of Season 7 of Star Trek The Next Generation, and that's the last we've seen of Lore. We know that he was dismantled and presumably sent to the Daystrom Institute, where they would study his uh, cybernet, Pyzotronic Matrix and, and all that good stuff. Um, we saw In the first episode, when Picard visits Dr. Jurati at the Daystrom Institute, we see the drawer, we see B4 in the drawer. Now, B4 is an, is an android, a synthetic, that was assembled the last time we saw them, but apparently B4 is deactivated at a certain point, probably because the memory transfer that Data initiated with B4 overwhelmed his less developed positronic matrix. But where's where's Lore. Why isn't Picard asking where's Lore? My assumption, and my get the shot that I'm gonna fire right now that I'm gonna call is that Lore is gonna be with Bruce Maddox on FreeCloud. I think. <laughs> I'm willing to I'm willing, I'm willing to be wrong on this, but I mean the show the, the show's definitely picking and choosing what parts of Canon it wants to follow up on, but I think Lore and his connection with Data, who is now dead, is insanely strong, and it should be something that's followed up on, and lore would be the best way to do that. Now, maybe maybe Maddox thinks he has lore better programmed. Maybe lore is manipulating Maddox. Maybe maybe, maybe the manipulation is so deep that lore is actually the one who's actually controlling Dodge and Soji, and we don't know that. There's a lot of different ways for it to go, but I, I strongly suspect lore is going to play a part in this show going forward. Um, we just have to kind of get to that reveal as well. So... Well, again, lots of things happening, but I suspect there's going to be tons of revelations in the episodes ahead in the shows moving forward. I just got to get to them. Got to get to them, but I think we're going to get there a lot faster now that we can travel at warp speed. So there you go. All right, time to wrap the show up. I'm going to stumble through a few things and I'm going to, uh, you know, just overshare, which is what I tend to do at the very end of these episodes. Uh I should have a slightly less hectic week next week, so I will be able to hopefully uh reengage get it reengage with uh with hopefully with Reagan. Uh, I had a good time talking with him. I want to be able to fix that uh that, that connection. I don't wanna have to use uh the phone again. That was not my favorite as far as audio quality goes. But I, I, I hope that uh I hope that wasn't I hope it was okay for you guys. <laughs> I know Reagan wasn't stoked on it either, but uh, you know, small podcasts like this—we <laughs> don't have the best equipment at the moment, but uh, we will, we will. There's there's upgrades coming for the show. I do promise that it's just it's just a matter of of allocating the time uh, to in the time and the money basically to to, to reinvest in the, in the show, and we will be doing that. I I promise. It, it will probably most likely coincide with the end of my term at San Diego State University. So, fingers crossed, everything goes according to plan on that one. Because once that's off my books, oh baby, this show is going to get so much more quality to it than it already is. And, God damn it, this show is pretty high quality to begin with, I think. Mostly thanks to like awesome listeners like you guys. And uh, particularly to my Patreons. So thank you so much once again to those, those wonderful sweet people who are my Patreons. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody. Brian Broussard, a.k.a. the Squid Master General, and uh, Jeff Nail, the Batman of Bay Park himself. I mean, we know Batman's got the cash, so hey, keep this podcast rolling, baby. Once again, Jeff is the co-host of the Ringing Year podcast, and uh, they're doing good work over there. They're on a bit of a hiatus right now, so you have plenty of chances to catch up and then check out what they're up to, and uh, it's good stuff. But keep listening to this podcast, because we're not going anywhere. Roger's going to be back on later this week. I know Roger yesterday was able to see... Uh, I say yesterday, I mean Saturday, um, depending on when when you listen to this podcast, over the weekend on this past Saturday, Roger is able to go see Birds of Prey. So we're going to talk Birds of Prey. We'll probably keep it very non-spoilery because it is a new movie. I don't know if I will be able to see Birds of Prey before he and I get together, but I've seen a few movies over the weekend, so we'll get to have a little bit of a movie review episode and uh, I'll get to. <laughs> It'll be funny. Roger, be the one with the new movie, and I'll be the guy watching movies that came out like a year ago or so. So we'll uh, we we'll get a chance to talk about that. We'll probably get a chance to review the Academy Awards if anything interesting happens. If not, we're not going to talk. Ooh, excuse me. If nothing interesting happens in the Academy Awards, we're not going to talk about them. We're not going to talk about them at all. So fuck it. We'll see how that goes. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been our review of Star Trek: Picard, episode three. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So I will talk to you guys very, very soon. Remember to stay tuned. Uh, new night, New Beer Night in San Diego is out now. We're recording a new episode on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, Roger and I will be doing PopCast. So it's a busy, busy week. But lots of, lots of uh, good things for you guys to listen to and, and stay busy with. So thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you so much for the love. And, oh yeah, I guess I should read the social medias again. At... Tomcast underscore podcast on Twitter, at the Tomcast underscore PopCast on Instagram. Email is TomcastPodcast at gmail.com. You can join Pophead Nation at patreon.com forward slash TomcastPodcast. Do the five star review, hit the subscribe button. These are all good things that help us out a ton. And with that, I got nothing else for you. I think that's it. I hope so. I'm probably forgetting something. It'll wait till next time. Thank you guys. Talk to you soon. Ciao, babes. Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage. and sung this year with a Stanley Cup champion.